Thessalonians chapter 4. We're still in our series on authentic Christianity. When you get there, say amen. amen. Chapter 4, verse 1. Oh, I'm going to read to verse 6, but we may, don't, we may not get past verse 4, but I'm going to read it. Read it with me. Finally, then, brothers... We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, keep going, that you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instruction we gave you from the Lord Jesus. For this will not stop your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body. Yeah. As one transgress along with brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned Um Today I want to talk from the subject of authentic distinction. Authentic distinction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to recognize the distinctness of your holiness and that you've called us to walk in holiness, called us to walk righteously in this present age. And so, God, as we dive into kind of a grimy text, I I pray in Christ's name that that it won't won't be, that a shock value won't be emphasized, Lord God, but, but, but walking in the newness of the gospel through the power of the Spirit will be emphasized. Help this not to be uh, just an enjoyable message where somebody walks away and said, I enjoyed hearing you. Um, that's not why we preach. Because the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a sincere faith, and a clear conscience. Our, our, our goal is to admonish and teach every man in order that they may be presented complete in Jesus Christ. So let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Somebody say, oh God, our strength, our, strength. our, redeemer, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. And talking about authentic distinction, it, it reminds me of, 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 my, of, of my former, the former Eric Mason. It reminds me of the back in the day E, you know what I'm saying, where, um, where, where, where they used to call me E. Mizzle. You know, that was a different dude. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, that was a, E. Mizzle. Anybody call me E. Mizzle, they know a different dude than the one I'm up here now. You know what I mean? But, but, but I, if anybody knows me, they knew I was a black nationalist. They knew I was in the Marcus Garvey and the Back to Africa movement. You know, they knew I was listening. You know, you know, you know I, was in, I was in the African Bombarda. You know what I'm saying? I was into uh, Malcolm X. I was into the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. I, I, I was reading Metanetta, Egyptian mystery system stuff, looking at Biela. I'm lost all y'all right now. But I, y'all like, what? But I, I was this dude, so, 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 so I, and one of the things I prided myself on is my ability to confound Christians. But, you know, I, because, I, because I thought Christian, Christianity to me was the white man's religion, so I was like, I'm going to put all y'all on blast. So I just went to work on Christians. I used to stand in front of the student center at Bowie State University and dare Christians to come at me. And I used, to, I used to crush Christians. I used to pride myself on it. And, and, and one of the things that, 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 that bothered me uh, um, what was, was that Christians didn't have a, they didn't walk in a reasonable faith to me. They just say, all I know is what he did for me. And I'm like, well, you got to tell me more than that. And so I started tearing them up, right? 
And so, but one of my pet peeves about Christianity was that there wasn't, like, when I went into the church, cats wasn't, you know, manly. You know what I'm saying? And, and, the, and the sisters weren't biblically feminine. But I didn't know what that was. I'm just saying, I was just like, and, and, and the thing that got me, though, is, man, I was wilding. You know, I was getting drunk. I, I was getting drunk in the mug, getting weeded in the mug, looking at black lights on the wall and talking about, yo, man, let's talk about the upper echelons. You know, I'm just one of them dudes. <laughs> you know, I was one of them dudes. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm talking about the, man, I'm telling you, man, when, back in the days, man, you know, you, you know how you do when you like that? You wilding. I'm hungry, man. Get some out the fridge. Order some pizza. You know, got the munchies, right? I'm just being telling you where I was. And so, and so, and so, man, so, man, uh, um, um, so, so I would be climbing in the dorm at night, you know what I'm saying, to, 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 you know, and so what would happen is I would look at the, you know, the Christians around me, and they would, they would, then when they had campus ministry service, you know, people would be like this, they'd be all up like this and say, hallelujah, God, we bless your God, we honor your God, and going on like this, but then they coming in the dorm with me to, to give me a hand to come in, and I was lost, Right? Because these people who presented a, a, an event-based Christianity, their Christianity wasn't bigger than the praise and worship section of the church service and the end of the pastor's message when he, when he said, as I take my seat. Then they, they knew when to stand up, and they go like this. And they stand like this, and they go like that. And everybody, they knew that. They knew all of that. But I don't know what happened. But when, 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 when the music stopped... When the, when, when the hooping was over, I ain't got nothing wrong with hooping and music, but I'm just saying, when it was all over, it seemed as if all of the culture and Christianity that they were exuding and excited about in the worship gathering didn't make its way to the campus. And so, and so my thing was, it's really that I didn't struggle with Christianity being a white man's religion. really wasn't my struggle. My struggle was with the lack of distinctiveness that I saw in Christians that kept telling me how powerful this gospel was. And I'm, I was trying to understand why if this gospel is so powerful, why if this gospel is so beasty, why if Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, no man can come to the Father except by me. If he's coming back and he's going to put everything together, then why don't you look anything like what you're telling me? And so I struggled. And, 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 I, and I fought through that. And Paul now is coming with the Corinthians. And, 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 and I mean, with the um, Thessalonians, and he's challenging them. The reason why I thought Corinthians, because you know they was wilding too. But, but the Thessalonians, right? He comes here in, Thess in Thessalonians, and, and, and what he begins to do is he begins, as you've seen, if you've been trekking with us from chapter 1 to chapter 3, is he's been commending them because they've shown great promise as Christians that only had three weeks of discipleship based on Acts chapter 17. Now Paul and them again had to roll out because of persecution, so he's very, very impressed with how they've submitted to the Lord keeping them. However, just because the Lord was keeping them and they were growing, they still had some issues. And so now Paul, in the, in the last three chapters, chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, began talking to them about very, very practical issues. He, he, began to, he, he, he likes the fact that they understood some things, but now he wants them to walk in some stuff. Somebody say walk in it. Now, 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 over here in chapter, one, in chapter 4, verse 1, which brings us to our one and only point that's almost the same as the name of the message, uh, Christians must walk in authentic distinction. That's just one point. <coughs> Christians must walk in authentic distinction. He said, he said, finally, then brothers, 
Uh, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. Stop right there. It's interesting that Paul begins talking about asking and urging the believers. Now, when they first came to the believers, based on uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, verse A of, chap- of, of, that, of that verse, what they would begin to do when they went to a church, or when they went and planted churches, they would, they would disciple them in the fundamental truths of the Christian faith. So they would learn Christology, who was Jesus and what did he come to do? They would learn ecclesiology, uh, the government of the church and how they live out as a church the reality and structure it for the glory of God. They would talk about missiology, how to share the gospel with your friends. They would talk to them about eschatology, that Jesus Christ is coming back. They would talk about theology proper so you can know the attributes of God. And so therefore, they would learn all of these theological things. They would learn all of this information, but as they began to do uh, discipleship among the Gentiles, they saw that the disciples, the, the Gentiles were a little different. They, they taught them Christology. They taught them ecclesiology. They taught them theology proper. They taught them eschatology. They taught them all of these ologies, but they, but they had to add one other ology. They had to teach them sexology. And, 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 and because, because what can begin to happen, what begin to happen is, is it was such a powerful grip on their culture that he had to talk to them about that thing. And so as they walk through it, he began before he deals with the sexology, he, he's firing away at their need to walk in distinction. Uh, uh, because he wants believers to be known for the right things, not the wrong things. Uh, um, uh, so, so, so here he goes and he lays out just some beautiful things in relation to that. So he said, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you received from us how you ought to walk. That mean, that's talking about behavior. How, in, other, in, other words, in other words, it's not enough to have theological information. Uh, I'm by myself. See, see, some of us like having a love affair with information. Some of us like having a love affair. Now, I'm not dogging theology. I, I, I got eight years of post-undergraduate education in it, so I, I'm not dogging theology. But, but many of us like information, we like the classics, and we like to assemble information for the purpose of argumentation, not transformation. And so what begins to happen is, 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 is Paul says, listen, we ain't give you all that weighty truth for you to just go and argue about it. He said, we, we gave it to you so you'd know how to live. I like that. How? Somebody say how. how. See, it's not enough to know the what. Say what. what? But you got to know the how. How is what? What is, the, what is the motivation? How is what do I do with what I was motivated to do based on the information that I received? So, 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 now, so now it's time to walk it out, right? And so he begins talking to them, and he says, we urged you. He challenged them because one of the things that's, that was very, very important is the Thessalonians were the first Christians in their region. Because they were the first Christians in their region, it was very, very important that the way the, Christ, the Christian faith gave a commercial through their lives was attractional for the right reasons, Because why? Because the way their lives reflected Jesus Christ would give people a picture of what Jesus was like. And since they are the first Christians that the people in their context would have been in contact with, it was extremely important that they rubbed up against the right Christianity, not the wrong Christianity. Let me say that again. That they rubbed up against the right Christianity, not the wrong Christianity. In other words, the question we have to ask ourselves is what are we known for? Are you known for how much you can drink? 
Oh, Lord. It got real quiet in here. All I can hear is gulps all crow through the ministry. In other words, in other words, in other words, we're supposed to be known for the distinctiveness of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he said, I urged you in that. And, but then he begins to lay out what, 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 how, how, how they worked with them through that. He says, how you ought to walk. And then it says, and please God. It's powerful. It's powerful. But because as he talks about pleasing God, it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful principle. The word pleased here in the Greek, the word means to set up our lives to accommodate the passions of God for our life. Let me say that again. It means to set up our lives to accommodate the passions of God for it. So that means we have to make room for God's desires for our life. Let me see if I can make it plain. Y'all looking at me funny. Me and my wife go on a trip. We always get a bigger suitcase uh, um, but because, because me and my wife going to find us a mall, Okay. We like to go to the mall. When we and my wife go to the mall, you know, we, we pack a larger suitcase and we pack less stuff. You know what I'm saying? So what we do is I take my wife to the mall and I dress my wife. You know what I'm saying? I dress her. So I'm like, I go, I go, I walk through. I say, pal, I like this. Ooh, you look good in that. Let me grab this. Let me grab. I put it all in my hand. I know her size, everything. All her di- diameters, a brother knows. And so, and so, and so, and so, I'm, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all the stuff together. You know what I'm saying? I get all the stuff together. Then I say, all right, let's go to the dressing room. Ha <laughs> ha! Let's go to the dressing room. And I say, here, take that one. She go on back, and she come out, and she spin around for me and all of that, and she go like this, bow! Hit a brother like that. I'm like, wow, that's great. I like that one. Get that one. Get that one. Get that one right there. So she goes back and hand her another. Try something else on. Try something on. And so, and so, and so she, she got all of these good outfits. Get her some perfume. Get her hair done, all of that. And I just love to do that, so forgive me. And so... And, and so, and so, and so, and so, and so then, and so then we, when we get back to the hotel room, uh, uh, we don't have issues with all of the spoils that we got because we've already made room for the spoils. Listen, that's what your life is supposed to be like in Christ. You're supposed to shop for the things of God. You're supposed to make room in your life for the passion of God. But see, many of us got so many passions that are left field of the kingdom that we don't have any space to place our affections on Christ and Christ alone. But what you got to do is you got to say, I'm tired of this. Let me unzip this bag. I wish I had some help. Now open that thing up. And I say, you got to go. That outfit got to go. I ain't wearing you no more. I ain't wearing you no more. Boom. Now I got some space. Let me go shopping in the kingdom. And I'm going to go down. So, whoa, I'm going to take a pe- Oh, whoa. I'm going to wear that for the glory of God. Pow. This way. Pow. In other words, you got to make room in your life for God's passions in your soul. You got to do it. It's not. Listen, 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 listen. It is not. It is not an option. Because the more your life reflects a fiery passion for God, the more it reflects the distinction that he created it to be made in. Now, 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 this is funny. You don't please God on your own. Did I tell you that? I forgot to let. You don't please God. Why? Because in 1 John 2, 2, it said Jesus Christ is a propitiation for our sins. Now, what does propitiation mean? Propitiation means that Jesus pleased God. He pleased the wrath of God. So Jesus Christ extinguished the fullness of the wrath of God so that we could be able to enjoy God. That's beautiful. So that means that we don't really please God. Did you know that? Why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was pleased to crush him. So, 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 so what does that mean? That, that means that Jesus Christ has pleased God for us. The Bible says that his death was a flagrant aroma 
to the living God. I'm by myself. Why? Because Christ was the only one that was qualified to please the Father. Let me say that again. Christ is the only one qualified to please him. Now, what happens is, is when you place your confidence in Christ and Christ alone, by grace alone through, through, when that happens, right, Christ imputes his life to you. Woo! Now, check it out, check it out. No, 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 don't copy that. Don't copy that. Listen, listen. He imputes his life to you. So when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you because he's not pleased with us. But he sees Jesus Christ. So guess what you get a chance to do? So Jesus Christ has walked a walk before us. So what we do is we don't try to create a walk. We just look at his walk. And then we say, where did Jesus Christ put his foot? I'm going to put my foot here. Oh, that's where he walked. I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to put it right here. Why? Because you're following in his footsteps not to please God, but because he's already pleased God. And because he's already pleased God, the pleasure we, we please God with is the pleasure that Christ already pleased the Father with on the cross. So don't try to please God in your flesh. That's why legalism fails. Because legalism is the attempt of man to create a new way to glorify God and please him. But, 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 but living life by faith in the gospel says, I am accepted, therefore I obey. Not I obey, therefore I'm accepted. You miss that. In other words, you take the chance to say, because, because I obey because I'm so blown away by the living Christ. And see, see, many of us, our problem is we're not blown away by Jesus. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So he says something dope. Sean is crazy. Look, he goes right here and he says, just as you are doing that, you do so more and more. That means our life is supposed to be on an ever-increasing trajectory of walking in this beautiful pleasure. Uh, 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 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, God takes us from one level of glorifying him to another level of glorifying him to another level of glorifying him to another level of glorifying him. What does glorifying him mean? It means to show off the weight of his character. Now, if I can make it plain, I don't know if some of y'all remember, but I remember the black and white TVs. Some of y'all ain't never seen one, right? Black and white TV. Now, back in the day, you know, we had no... You know, we have all this cable box stuff, and you know what I'm saying? The first cable box was rugged, but um, rugged. But, 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 but when you see the black and white, John, you know, you, you couldn't just, uh, you didn't have nothing to plug it into. So what you had to do was you had to hire somebody. And you had to go take this funny-looking antenna thingy and put it on top of your house, then make a hole in it and connect this cable to it so that your thing could connect to the signal. Now, then they graduated from there and went to color TV. So they had color TV, you know what I'm saying? But then they got real fancy with it and started having floor model color TVs. Now, these, now all of these TVs, you know, when you turn, you had, wasn't no remotes, no remotes. You had to get your lazy self up. You had to walk up to the TV. You had to go, bow, bow, bow. It feel like you're about to break. <laughs> about to break your wrist. Huh? And then, then. Then the thing gets so old, somebody done lost the knob. So you got to go into the toolbox and go get some pliers. So you can tell, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. And, but, but, then, but, then, but then somebody got wise and created a remote. And so back then, you know, when the video games first came out, if you had Atari, you know, no, no, no about that, and ColecoVision, you know what I'm saying? Like if you had them joints, you was killing. But the issue is when you connected it to it, it would destroy the image on it. 
over time. And so some of the jumps look like a bubble, the, the front of the TV. So then it went from the bubble TV to the, to the blick floor model. And, and then it went from the, what you set all your pictures up or your family all up on it because it's so big, right? <laughs> then, it, then, then, it, then it graduated from that to the big floor model. But the big floor model, it was massive, but then it had a big old back on it. Y'all remember that? Had a big old back on it. And so, man, to work on it, man, it's just too much, too much, right? And so then, then they went from there to they finally got to the flat screen. Flat screen, they had nothing on the back of it. But then they got it to where that thing went HD. And then the thing was in higher definition. Your life is like the progression of the TV. In other words, when you first get saved, you have a black and white image of God that you show off. But it goes from black and white to color. Then it goes to color to the big, big screen, you know what I'm saying, with the big back on it. But then at a certain point in your life, you remove the back off of your life because it's weighing down your ability. Oh, I wish I had some help right there. That, 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 is, that, that, that is weighing down your ability to show him off. But then HD comes. Now you got a clear picture. But it's not just a clear picture that you have. You have access to all the channels. You have home and garden TV because you're a new home. You got the cooking channel because God is cooking something in your life. I wish I had some help right there. You got Animal Planet because you're wild for Jesus. All I'm saying right now is that when you get in Christ, he changes your ability as you grow to show him off. Listen, listen, listen. You need to get tired of living tube TV Christianity. All them weights, all them encumbrances, all of that mess, you better lay it down to him. And the old church would say, go to Jesus and leave your burdens there. We need a, leave, we need a burden leaving church today. Because we, we are called to be distinct, and, and that distinctiveness, as we grow in him, upgrades because we're, we're all we're ever going to be, but we're not all we're going to be. And because of that, God gives us the grace and he gives us the strength through the gospel to grow and be strengthened by it. But then he goes on to the doozy. Then he goes down and begins saying, okay, now what does this look like? This is where Paul begins getting rugged. He, he, it's as if he was saying, some of y'all ready for this, right? He said, this is the will of God, your hagiasmas, that you abstain from porneia. Hagiasmas is the Greek word for holiness or sanctification. That word points to positional sanctification, practical sanctification, and full-on sanctification and glorification in God's presence. In other words, he said the will of God is your sanctification, that you recognize that you've been uniquely set aside. But not only that you've been uniquely set aside, but that you get to grow in how set aside you look. (laughs) It's, it's, so, so, so our lives are called to the same. Now, I've heard so many sermons on purpose and the will of God, and I hear so many people say to me, you know, Pastor, I just want to know the will of God for my life. Right here. The will of God is your sanctification. That. You stop wilding out sexually. Now, what is porneia? I'm glad you asked. That's why we ain't need no kids in here today. What's porneia? Porneia is the word we get our, we get our word uh, pornography from. Now, most people think porneia just means penetration. It's beyond penetration. It means everything from the slob down, the look down, to the knocking it down. 
I said it. That means everything from the rooter to the tutor. Y'all know nothing about that. Anyway, y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. It's a movie. But anyway. And so, and so what God wants for the life of the Christian, that they be sexually distinct. Because, because you know what? Most of us are struggling. And if you're not, you're lying. And not more, more you're lying. Now, 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 now I'm, t- I'm just telling you, the struggle never goes away. And the power to live through the struggle doesn't either. Y'all missed that. <laughs> and, and, so, and, so, and so what happens is, is many of us, it's interesting that he diametrically connects sanctification with sexual immorality. Now, that nowhere in the Bible, now all sin is, can, can, can deal with a sanctification issue. But it's interesting that he specifically says this. Why? Because in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in their culture, in, their, in the Thessalonican culture and in the Roman culture, it was while out on steroids. I mean, people would have sex out front. People would have sex. I mean, it, would, it was just a sexually charged culture. When they, when they were at the games, women would be just topless in the stands, growling. And, and so in their culture, you know, cats becoming Christians, they're like, dang, man. Like, they're coming to the small group at, like, Phoebe's house, and they're sitting down like, hey, dang, man. Was you outside today? Yeah, I was outside, man. They're like, man. I mean, what? I mean, what are we supposed to do? I mean, I mean, Paul ain't teach us nothing on this yet. I mean, doc, it's stuff everywhere. I mean, topless. And this, I don't know. When I became a Christian, I started noticing how challenging things were. That's what they were saying. I mean, man, I became a Christian. I don't know why the world just got hard to live in. <laughs> why? Because as a sinner, you didn't notice it because you were duped by it. But when you became a saint, you got took out the matrix. And so now you're like, oh, God, what in the world? Oh, God, oh, 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 and hallelujah, God, hallelujah, praise God. In other words, you begin to recognize how challenging the culture is. I can remember before I was 10 years old playing in the alleys in D.C. We put some wood on the back of the joint. We got a milk carton. We kicked the bottom out of it, nailed it up there, and made a basketball court. Boom, we playing basketball. It was all these balled up pieces of paper. Picked that joint. I said, what's that, man? He said, he said, he commit, dog. Like, what's that? He said, I was like, wow, I ain't never seen that before. We're looking around and we're showing it all around. And little did I know that that was the beginning of a lifetime fight with pornography and, 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 and masturbation and sexual immorality and basing my value on how many boots I can knock. And, and, and I remember struggling, and, and even when I became a Christian, I was like, God, why is this, why is this because? God, God was like, this is why, because I've given you righteous passion, but you've corroded it with unrighteous outlets. And so what I have to do is you have to trust me to work you through transferring your passions back to my kingdom. And, 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 so, and so, so, so what, what I began to do is we go to, we go to these groups and have accountability you know, and sit around, man, what did you do this week? Oh, man, 3 o'clock on p.m. on Thursday, I looked at this. And we just come and talk about our sin. All we do is come on, man, what did you do this week? Oh, man, it was crazy, man. You should have been there, man. I was struggling. But it almost becomes an underhanded exaltation of the spoils of falling. And, 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 and the problem with us is that 
we, be, we focused on ourselves, so we went away coming back with more spoils of how raggedy we were. Why? Because when you look at yourself only, you'll still stay lost in your sin. So we had to learn how to not try to make ourselves distinct through, through, through all of these types of different things. See, some of us try to find distinction and accountability, and it's not working. Some of us trying to find distinction through uh, covenant eyes, is not working. Some of you are trying to find it through building yourself up by your own bootstraps, and you're wondering why in the heck isn't it working. It's because you're looking at yourself. See, the more you look at yourself, that, that's why some of the purity and some of y'all, that's why some of the purity stuff is bad. Now, I said it publicly because some of it tells you to look at your sin and get acquainted with it. That is not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. It says, put off the old man and put on the It don't say, look at the old man and see how bad it was. It says, confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Some of y'all need to walk in some reality in your spirit and begin to walking out the reality of looking at Jesus versus yourself. See, that's when the struggle becomes like you got energy now. I don't know what it is about that doggone gospel. But when I look at, when, when I look at myself, it's rough. But when I, when, I, when I begin thinking about what Christ did for me on the cross... And the fact that I was nailed there with him and the thing that I'm struggling with got nailed onto the cross. Something happens in my soul. I wish I had some help. My spirit begins to feel energy from some place that I can't. The Holy Ghost begins moving in my soul. And, 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 when, and when I want to watch that topless show, I'm able to say, oh, can turn it off. When, 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 when I, when I want to look at a sister too long, it go, oh, I can turn it off. When, 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 why, why, why? Because when I keep my eyes on Jesus, it exalts the value of holiness in my life and devalues everything else. Somebody said that's not practical. Try it. Try it. Because at the end of the day, you got to want to walk with him. It, I, mean, you, I mean, have accountability, all that. That's great. Mean small groups, do that. Do dinner, all of that. But don't let it be an exaltation of how bad you are. And that's so important. Because when you, when you exalt Jesus above your sin, you come out of your sin. When you exalt your sin above Jesus, you stay in it. That's why he began telling them, he says, this is the will of God for your life, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. And the issue is, is many of you are deeply involved in it right now, and you're struggling. Some of you sisters, you're struggling. You're struggling hard. Matter of fact, some of y'all had sex last night. Some of y'all looked at pornography before you came to church this morning. Some of y'all are struggling with chronic masturbation right now. And, you, and you're struggling, and you're struggling, and you're struggling, and you're struggling, and, and, and God is bidding you to come. God is saying, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Some of y'all are going to have to go to some people through the power of the gospel. You're going to have to say, this, that, that was the last time. And they're going to tell you, oh, you'll be back. The way I was getting at it, you coming back. And you need in your spirit. You, and some of you are saying, but I'm too weak. I, I can't. Yeah, you are. You are. 
You are. But, but again, you don't focus on your weakness. Because in your weakness, he's made what? Strong. Wow. So this is the moment. Somebody say, God won't put on you more than you can bear. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. At, read 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See, putting on you more than you can bear based on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, means that you put yourself in a situation that he has to rescue you from. And some of you have seen in your sexual situations God trying to rescue you, and you've desensitized your spiritual ears from hearing the phone ring, from hearing the text message, from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and him bringing a verse back to your remembrance. And God wants to reawaken in you through Jesus Christ the ability to hear, because it it ain't going to be the last time. Hey, let me tell you something. In marriage, don't help it. I'm going to say that two more times. Marriage, don't help it. (laughs) Let me say it one more time. Marriage don't help it. Why? Because marriage exposes how greedy you are. This gets worse. Some dude's like, yeah, I got married. Honeymoon was banging. (laughs) You know, then after that, like a few months later, he's like, dang, I want to get back into what I was doing because I I trusted marriage to deliver me from what I wasn't delivered from. (laughs) But let me tell you something. Marriage was created by God, but it's not a means of deliverance. Never was meant to be that. Never was. Listen, you're going to have to trust God more when you get married. Let me have say it again. You have to trust God more when you get married. And guess what God does? And see, this and the church has to balance our teaching on sex. We have to say no here, but we got to say a big yes. Let's talk about the big yes. <laughs> In Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 to about the 20th verse, it talks about some good old-fashioned, good old-fashioned. <laughs> it talks about some good stuff, man. Matter of fact, it talks about, it says, be exhilarated by your wife's breast. That's good news. That's good news. Let me tell you why. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In other words, he commanded Adam and Eve to have sex. Now, this thing was so rock. Adam went to sleep. Adam went to sleep. God did open John. Wake up. Whoa! Whoa, man! Look what in the world is this, God? Oh, my God. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> That's in the Bible. Yeah, see, y'all got to see the comedy in the scriptures. Money never heard of a mother or father before. <laughs> First prophetic utterance in the Bible. Wife was so fine, he prophesied. You know she had to be bad. He said, lions, man, I was looking at the lions wasn't working. And all the animals galloping through the jungle. I, I, they were, but when he put shorty in front of me, <coughs> and it says, and they were naked and not ashamed. In the Hebrew, it means they were freed up because they didn't have any baggage but God. All they knew was God. And when they got married, they could be freed up to become one. And so God meant for man and woman to learn sexually from one another, not their previous experiences on how to have sex with one another. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 6, between the 15th and 18th verse says, anyone who joins himself to a harlot is one with her. 
Why? Because God has set your body up. To, 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 it, it's a wiring system that's a spiritual system that when you have contact with somebody, your, your body says marriage because God created your body like that. But when you have a bunch of illicit relationships, your body gets confused when you get married and it's time to actually be the one who is legitimately your spouse. You go through problems and God has to de-download all of the flash files and viruses on your soul so that you and your spouse can begin to become one flesh. And you got to fight through it. And some of you all say, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But what's good about that is that you don't have to live in your guilt. Because guilt that stays too long turns into condemnation. And the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, but how do you deal with it? If you, I know that, but how do I deal with it practically? Boom, Isaiah 53. Surely he bore our griefs and our infirmities and carried away our diseases. That means on the cross, Jesus is not just our propitiation, he's our expiation. He takes away the guilt of your failure. Wow. If you failed, you can lay all your guilt on him. You, all of it. All of it. You, you don't have to, listen, when you get before God, don't give him a sanitized testimony of your sin. Because he know the real. Because he can only forgive you, uh, he can, practically, he, you're forgiven if you're a Christian. But I'm talking about practical functioning under forgiveness. You can't experience the joy of the Christian life until you tell it all. So you got to tell God everything. And, and as a believer, I had to go and apologize to some sisters. It got real quiet right there. I, I went to some sisters. I said, you know what? I was supposed to be a Christian, and I misrepresented Jesus Christ by pursuing you, knowing I wasn't going to marry you, and knowing all I wanted to do was fill up my time of loneliness with you instead of God. Can you forgive me? Some of us need to go to some people today, and we need to ask for forgiveness. Women and men, forgive me for misrepresenting Jesus Christ. And guess what? God, the guilt, listen, Christ deals with your guilt on the cross. So you don't have to walk in guilt anymore. You can go and sin no more. And that's why he says, let each one of you learn how to control your body in holiness and honor. Why? Because holiness is the distinction that you're no longer a vessel of wrath. Now you're a vessel of mercy. So now God showers his mercy on you freely but then honor is the representation of the fact that you have distinction and you have value now. And so don't devalue yourself ever again. Live in light of the value of Christ's death and him setting you aside uniquely for his glory on the cross. So I don't know who in here, ever, I, I know that most of us are dealing with the challenges of it, all of us, on some level. And I'm praying today that we would fight today, that we would fight that, that, that I, I remember when I was little, and, and, and I used to get bullied. And, 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 and as I got bullied, I, I wouldn't do nothing. I would just take it. I would just take it. And people were like, he a punk, man. He, don't let, he letting cats hit him all up, you know what I'm saying? Boom, boom, boom. And one day, one day, I got tired of getting bullied. And the day I got tired of being bullied was the day my life changed. Because I punched my first bully right in the face. 
busted his lip and split it across his braces. Blood coming out of his mouth and everybody was laughing. But what I, what I, what I learned that day is the bullying won't stop. People, people are going to try you. But I said, I, I'm, gonna have to, I'm not going to let people overtake me anymore. That's how you got to treat sin. Paul says, I beat my body into submission. Listen, somebody, y'all are, some of y'all are looking for a deliverance. Like, it's, listen, a full-fledged, I just don't, I don't have sex with dyes anymore. I don't know what happened to them. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen until Jesus comes back and we get a new body. So right now, whether you're seven or you're 60, it's going to be a fight. But you have to know that you don't fight in your own strength. That God has given you the strength through Jesus Christ to knuckle up against sin. So once you recognize you've forgiven, you confess your sins, faithfully just forgive your sin, boom. You say, all right, the challenges are going to come. Because every one of us, and many of you know, y'all have experienced seasons of not being as lustful and deep into the pornography. And then it'll just all of a sudden just crash in on you. And next thing you know, you're like, what happened? I was just walking with God. and What, what happened? You know why? you got to keep your guard up. So why the Bible says, gird your mind for action. It means you fight. Self-control is passions on the leash. So let's get it. Be inspired through Jesus Christ. Through him. Not, 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 just, not just some old, yeah, just true, you got true power. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm done. Father. God, we, 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 we need you, God. We need you to recognize that we got to fight and that you're so, 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 so faithful to meet us and be with us in the fight. We don't fight alone. We fight with your power, with your strength. So, Jesus, thank you for being our propitiation, but also our expiation, that we don't have to walk in guiltiness for the rest of our life, but that your death provided the ability and the disposition to be able to say no to sin for the first time. We don't have to. We have the strength to fight. But John said, if anybody sins, we have an advocate with the Father. What a great, I mean, you just set everything up so right. It's just banging, God. You set everything up for us to win for your glory. And so, God, help us to walk in holiness. In Jesus' name, amen.